0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the DemCast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C., and today I'm going to be talking with Liz Winstead. She's the co-creator and former head writer of The Daily Show. She's also the founder of Abortion Access Front, formerly known as Lady Parts Justice. Abortion Access Front is an organization that helps raise money for abortion clinics around the United States. She's going to give us some more information about what they do and what that's all about later on when she joins me. Liz and I are going to talk about reproductive rights, and it was interesting, it didn't come up at all in last night's Democratic debate, even though on March 4th, the Supreme Court will hear its first major abortion case since the addition of Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. You know Kavanaugh, the angry dude who was credibly accused of sexual assault, now on the fucking Supreme Court. Anyway, Liz is as funny as she is smart, so I really look forward to her insights. Now, before I get with the show, I want to bring up the fact that I mentioned on Monday I'm going to be doing a new $5 tier patrons only segment. I've been kind of struggling with what to do. So I came up with this idea of like an online diary, meaning randomly I'm going to talk about subjects, whether it's stuff in the news, whether I go over stories of my past and somehow either like view it through a feminist or a lens or a woman's lens. Sometimes I'm going to tie in patriarchy, sometimes I won't. Just random stuff. And so I decide, you know, I thought I said I was going to do it before the end of the month, and <laughs> that was on Monday. And I thought that the end of the month was next week. I didn't realize it was this week, so I'm going to do one tomorrow. So I want your help here. I have a couple of things that I can talk about, and this is what I'm asking. I'm going to let you know two options. Hear me out tell me in the comments what you would like for me to talk about. So the first one is it's the story about Antonio, whose name I changed. And Antonio had a gigantic tree trunk penis. And I had sex with him when I was 34 and he was 24. Now it's an X. It's not an X rated story. It's more like an NC 17 story. But I do want to warn you, it's graphic. Um, I mean, I'm going to, Talk about some things that some people might find offensive. And it's just sex, you know. And it's not, I'm not going to be like describing the whole sexual encounter. There's just a couple of key things that I have to bring up in order to make this story entertaining. And there's a touch of patriarchy at the end. So there's that. Or I could do a podcast in defense of the way Warren went after Bloomberg last night. So if you didn't see what she did, she confronted Bloomberg with something that a woman who used to work for him said about him. This woman said that she was pregnant and Bloomberg told her to, quote unquote, kill it. Now, you know, Warren got all kinds of criticism for this, which fucking pisses me off. Because as a woman who has been talked to in this way, maybe not about killing it, but, you know, I've had sexist things said to me by men all the time. And I have not felt like I could stand up for myself because I didn't want to lose my job or I didn't want to lose an account or whatever it was. So Warren, in my opinion, did us all a favor. And I would really like to explain uh, you know, how I feel about that. I did it all over Twitter last night. So if you follow me on Twitter, you already know. But anyway, so those are the two options. Let me know. I'm going to make that show free. Usually it's going to be $5 a month to hear two of these shows per month, but... I decided that I'm gonna make them free and see if I can like you know if, if anybody likes them they can sign up for the five dollar tier and I just want to get your feedback so please let me know in the comments which story you'd like to hear tomorrow and I'll do it now before we get started start me up as an independent podcast and it's woman run and I'm the woman also for the month of February this is the last show I'm gonna be donating five percent of the podcast earnings to Plant Parenthood so just... If you like the show, sign up, become a monthly subscriber at patreon.com slash start me up. And you could just sign up for a buck. If you like the show, you can always upgrade later. Um, the more money, though, that the show makes, the more money Planned Parenthood gets. Last call for Planned Parenthood. All right. So what else? Um, oh, if you'd like to make a one-time donation, sometimes people do that. Sometimes it's a dollar. Sometimes it's $100. Sometimes it's 50 10 Whatever. Anything, you know, whether it's becoming a patron or sending a one-time donation, it all goes into the production of the show. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. And thank you, Mark, for that wonderful five-star review that you gave on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate it. Please go over to Apple Podcasts and become a subscriber. It costs nothing. And then while you're there, leave me a review. Let me know what you think. I always appreciate it. And I also love comments on the Patreon show. Love, love, love. Um, All right, that's it. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Liz Winstead. Welcome, Liz. Hey, thanks. It's so great to be here. Oh, uh, you know, I am incredibly grateful for what you do. I love what you do. And we're going to talk about... Um, the abortion access front in just a bit, but you know, I, I wanted to have you here today. I know that you are very well informed about this March fourth abortion case before the Supreme Court.
1: I am indeed, and um, I feel uh, overwhelmingly terrified at yeah. how little coverage it's getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, And and then what even compounds it is that it's the day after Super Tuesday. And so it's going to be just buried in a news cycle that's going to be epic. So to explain to folks about what's going on is, you know, I think people have been paying attention to the erosion of reproductive rights Mm -hmm. and watching clinics close and seeing how all these state laws have just been garbage Mm -hmm. um so something that has happened um the last uh big abortion supreme court case was in 2016 and it was called whole women's health v Hellerstead, which is the sort of fancy fancy title for the case and it is it was uh an independent clinic called whole women's health challenging all those laws that wendy davis filibustered Mm -hmm. in her sneakers for right So it goes all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court was like, all of this is garbage, and these laws don't help women, and they don't help people getting reproductive care. All they do is they're designed to close down clinics. And so everyone was like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. Everything's great. And then Louisiana was like, you know what? Fuck you, Supreme Court. We're going to repass that same law and act like you didn't claim it was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And so they did. And it went through the same Louisiana and Texas are in the same circuit courts. Uh-huh. So it went through the same circuit court of appeals and the same circuit court of appeals was like, yep, we still think that uh, uh, we we think the Supreme Court was wrong, too. So we're and so the Supreme Court said we're going to take up this case again. It's unheard of that the Supreme Court would literally hear a case Identical to the one that it set precedent on three years before to relitigate whether or not it's constitutional. Um, nothing has changed in the law. Nothing has changed in anything. The only thing that's changed is that Drinking McKeg stand is now on the court. <laughs> And they they are literally being an activist court who want to overturn an abortion law. And the law is um, the state of Louisiana um, is trying to, yet again, reinforce this hospital admitting privileges Mm -hmm. law, which a lot of folks um, have heard about. And if you haven't, it might sound like a practical thing on its face, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, shouldn't a doctor who provides abortion have admitting privileges to a hospital? And it's like, why <laughs> anything that happens to you, you can just go to a hospital and an yeah, emergency room. Exactly. Right. And so um, what the two things that are happening around this particular kind of law that's designed to close down clinics is one is that um, in Louisiana, many of the hospitals are Catholic or religiously mm-hmm. affiliated that yeah. wouldn't allow a doctor to have admitting privileges, mm-hmm. but but the bigger, bigger trick here is for a physician to get admitting privileges to a hospital, mm-hmm. that physician has to prove that there's a need and a, that they will bring a caseload to that hospital because the hospital has to ensure that physician under their policy. Yeah. Well, abortion is so safe that a physician providing it can't show that they have a caseload that they would bring to the hospital. And so the hospital turns them down for the thing they don't need because they never have to admit patients. It's such a shit show. So having said all that, the this case has a slight different twist than Texas in, in the sense that that law is exactly like Texas is, but, but, the the state of louisiana has also asked the court to hear and the court has agreed Mm -hmm. um on whether or not a clinic has the legal standing to sue on behalf of a patient Hmm. and why that is crucially terrifying Mm -hmm. is that every single case is a clinic suing on behalf of a patient it is making sure the patient has access so every single case around abortion is a clinic suing on behalf of a patient. If the Supreme Court decides that the, the clinic no longer has standing, two things will happen. All of these crazy laws that uh, we've heard about that are happening and constantly happening, it would be up to a patient to challenge oh that law yeah. to say it's preventing me from accessing my abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to do a little math for you. Um, it takes three years to get a case to the court system to the Supreme Court <laughs> and pregnancy takes nine months. Right. So you can do the math on that. So
0: fuck you women. Um,
1: <laughs> so fuck you. But also, like, can you imagine like, people who are accessing abortion care and who are having a hard time doing it are low-income people, yeah, people of color. Of course. Somebody, why should some poor person have to announce that they need an abortion and have to go through Mm -hmm. the public scrutiny. Can you imagine what would happen? How doxed that person would be, what would happen to them? The whole thing is terrifying. And so those are the two things that are on the docket. And the third thing about that standing law is as we've watched a myriad of cases, um, about like heartbeat bills and about ectopic pregnancy and all of these laws that, um, that are floating around in a state of challenge to the courts. Mm-hmm. If the Supreme Court ruled that a clinic does not have standing to sue, every single one of these garbage laws that is now in some form of being challenged by the ACLU, by the ACLU mm-hmm. would go into effect immediately. Because they are all being challenged by clinics and the clinic would no longer have a standing to bring those cases.
0: So I have a weird question and I don't even know if you'd be able to answer it. But like, what if we get um, what if we're really fortunate in in November and we get a uh, Democratic president that nominates two more Supreme Court justices, maybe even three? And then uh, you said that, you know, this is setting a precedent that um, no case has ever been tried twice. Could it be tried three times?
1: well I mean you would sort of hope so right yeah um, but then are we just having an activist Supreme Court
0: right exactly you know? that's true and yeah. I
1: think that also we have to look at um, uh, if will the legislature codify you know can this Congress excuse me um, codify Roe v Wade yeah, you know yeah can, you know there's things that um, can happen and, and what it means is, um, every, every court case, um, that is, you know, if, if Roe v. Wade gets upended by the court, which is adding these caveats and saying it's true, you know, we have, I think it's seven States right now in the United States that, um, have an automatic trigger that abortion is immediately illegal in their state. Yes. You know, and so we have all kinds of just like wild reproductive fuckery, Uh, happening and you know i think and and i think it just can't go enough you know as we are just all consumed with election news and all consumed with impeachment and trump i think the the ramifications of trump don't get talked about enough Mm -hmm. you know like what is happening with the department of education what's happening Mm -hmm. with the department of health and human services you know what's happening um in all of it and and what's being destroyed and and who's I want to know who the person is just with the notebook. Like every time he fires somebody who's like, okay, we got to rehire that person. Like I want to know (laughs) who's just keeping track of what needs to be restored because it just feels so um, incredibly scary. I mean, you look at like, we don't have a person in the CDC right now who's not managing pandemics. And you're like, you know what? We need a CDC for this administration. Yes, we do. Like we literally need somebody or, or somebody at the EPA. Like, I can't tell if it's a super fun site, if he has an infectious disease.
0: Like, I don't <laughs> I think know. he's an infectious disease. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to ask you, I mean, or at least bring this up, because, you know, in 2010, a bunch of Tea Party lunatics won congressional seats. And then that's when we started seeing the implementation of all these trap laws, which is just basically what you've explained, you know, on um, Gutmucker, or is it is? am I saying that right? Gutmucker? Gutmacher. So Gutmacher, uh, I think, describes the trap laws, which is targeted re- regulation of abortion providers. Um, so basically, they are laws that are, st- that are um, geared to or, or for abortion clinics. And then, you know, it's just like you were describing having the doctors um, that they have to have. What, what was that? What was it called? admitting privileges, admitting privileges. privileges. And then also there's, you know, like surgical centers having certain, um, enough, enough room in the hallway, or if there's a drinking fountain or something like little shit like that. And what, what winds up happening with these trap laws is that all these clinics fail and then they close and then abortion is still legal, but women can't access abortion. And so like, yeah. And so what you were saying earlier is now granted this started in 2010, but You know, this is going to be heard in front of the Supreme Court again while Trump is president. And if this does happen, this leaves women in Louisiana. And and now you said it's going to be Louisiana and Texas, or is it just Louisiana going up before the Supreme (coughs) Court?
1: No, it's just Louisiana. It's a replication of the Texas Texas. law that they had heard three years before. So
0: now women in Louisiana would have to, um, under certain circumstances, if they're unable, if, if those abortion clinics close, then what this means for them is that they have to travel a distance if they want to get an abortion and that's very costly and sometimes they're not able to either afford it. Like you said, it's usually poor people or people of color, whatever it is, can't get the time off of work. Because it's not like you just walk into an abortion clinic and go, hey, I'm pregnant, I need an abortion, and you're out in an hour. It's it's a bit of a process. So you and, and they don't usually happen from my understanding, same day. So uh you know, it's something that really interferes with how a woman is just going to live her life. If she decides to terminate a pre- pregnancy, it's not going to be accessible. To her, <clears throat>
1: Right. And I think that, um, in Louisiana specifically, um, if this ban goes into effect, um, not only will there be one clinic, there will be one doctor in the entire state yeah. granted admitting privileges from a hospital. Wow. And so, yeah. And so when you look at, um, you know, how this all plays out and the waiting periods, are all part of this larger narrative of of um, some state waiting periods are merely just stigmatizing bullshit. yeah, they some states don't have them. Um, but if there is a waiting period in a state, um, it is clearly to just try to make it less accessible to to have abortion. And also, I really want to sort of address um, in part of these laws that are terrible, um, whether it's a waiting period. There's many states that um, have require the person, the physician providing the abortion to read a state mandated uh, instruction to the patient that lies about the um, side effects of abortion. Like like a doctor will have to sit in front of a patient and say abortion could cause breast cancer, (laughs) sterilization mental illness none of those things are true it's no. all been disproven yes and but a doctor would be forced to read that or they'll force you to listen to a heartbeat or look at an ultrasound or wait 24 48 72 hours mm-hmm. and all of these laws are designed so if you're just somebody who would like to terminate a pregnancy because it's not the right time for you um when asked do you want to hear a heartbeat when asked do you want to mm-hmm. look at an ultrasound you know when when having to wait um you know them to be able to say to you, um, why don't you want to look at that? that Ultrasound. Do you feel bad? And it's like, no, but they're designed to stigmatize people. They're designed to make you have second doubts about how you feel about your abortion. And also, and this is really an important point that I always like to hit home when we talk about waiting periods. It is the state creating legislation and therefore creating a, um, intrinsic value judgment Mm -hmm. that we should not believe women when they've made a decision. Yeah. Right. Or at least second guess them. If that becomes part of the fabric of our society, that I mean, it already exists, but it's going to really transform into, you know, do we really trust them? If we don't Mm -hmm. trust them to make a decision about the pregnancy, do we really trust them to promote them to run our bank, Mm -hmm. you know, to have them have any power of any kind, it's, it's, it's literally challenging the mental competence of us. And people need to really understand that. Like, this is like a constant, like just, it's just constant waves over us all the time. And we do, um, every day at noon on Facebook and Twitter, we do a little bit of a, like a 10 minute recap of Mm -hmm. the, the laws that are happening in every state and just to give you an idea, we get about forty stories a week wow. of state legislatures trying to uh, create different kind of legislation, moving the goalpost, um, and it's and it's never reported on. And it's so wild because Oregon is the only state in the country that has never put an abortion ban in place
0: hmm. after Roe v. Wade. Wow, that's fascinating. I didn't know yep. that. Yes. Well, it's just so upsetting because I mean, we did, like I said in the intro, um they didn't even talk about it last night in the Democratic debate. And no. you know, they usually don't talk about it and if they do, it's one of the shorter that there's less time they spend on talking about it and uh, you know, I mean, as you're saying it's not being reported on and it's just so frustrating. I mean, I'm going to be 52 years old this year and I'm I'm not going to need an abortion moving forward. <laughs> but I I get so, I feel this is personal. I feel like I was a young person who understood that if I were to become pregnant when I didn't want to, I had that option. And I'm seeing right now that it's, it's being taken away, even with Roe v. Wade in place. And so, again, I, I want to thank you for what you're doing, because it's invaluable. And I want you to also now I want to tell everybody, what do you guys do at Abortion Access Front?
1: So, an abortion access front, um, and thank you for that, that was really nice. So, abortion access front is a, a nonprofit that I started in um, 2015, and we do a couple of things. It was a whole bunch of like creative types um, performers, artists, writers, filmmakers, editors, people who wanted to, uh, who had kind of been paying attention to what happened in 2010 with mm-hmm. all these laws, mm-hmm. and who also worked in the media and realized what the fuck? No one's talking about this shit. How do we raise awareness? And so we are kind of a three bucket um, thing. We make videos that um, expose what's happening, sort of daily show, funny or die, kind (laughs) of like narrative videos, satirical videos, sometimes just like parodies to kind of explain what's happening with the laws. And then we do this daily show um, to kind of bring um, the news uh, to folks. But the main bulk of our work is we travel around the country um, quarterly Mm -hmm. and we go to the states that are hardest hit. And we do um, some kind of entertainment show that is either like a comedy music combination or burlesque combined with (laughs) a really cool interview portion. Mm -hmm. and. In the interview portion, we have activists working in the town that we're in and the clinic that provides the care. And a lot of times in these towns, you know, when we talk about abortion care, we often think of Planned Parenthood. And yeah. there are small community independent providers that actually provide 65 percent of all the abortions in our country. Hmm. And then when you start thinking about people who might have to have a later abortion, that number goes up to 90%. Right. And so they don't have the infrastructure Mm -hmm. that Planned Parenthood has. And so people need to know that they exist. So we have a conversation and the clinic and the activists talk to our audience about what, what the state of reproductive uh, rights are in their state, um, what they need as far as support at the clinic and emotional support. And then what And then how, and then they give right in the room tool, tools and sign ups for people to sign up to be um, part of the community that stands with their local clinic. Um, and then we as an organization go to each clinic and we do what I call a public works project, which is um, a lot of people don't know this, but if you're somebody that provides abortion in a hostile state, um, you may you might you it's very likely, that you can't get services provided to you that any other small business would simply because you provide abortion. Mm -hmm. So you can't get a lawn care service. You can't get somebody to repaint your clinic. Um, You can't get somebody to fix your fence. You can't get a plumber. And so we will go in and do that work. Um, We've done people's gardens. We've painted exam rooms. We have redone hallways. We've fixed fences. Um, And then we also do things like bring lunch or have a masseuse come in for the staff. And so It's really important. So we learn what they need. We, we provide that. And then we bring that information to our audience in the show the next night. And then it's so cool because not only can people sign up to do general support, like, Oh, I'll commit to bring you cupcakes quarterly. Oh, I want to sign up to be an escort. Um, they'll also say, Oh, I have a landscaping company and I will, Mm -hmm. uh, you can pay me and take me out as a client and I will be happy to do that. So we bring the community together with the clinic to help grow an activist base and also to grow a support system for the clinic.
0: I seriously want to cry. That makes, I mean, thank you. So I, I I am so appreciative. And I mean, like I said, I'm not even going to have to worry about abortion and having an abortion. And I, I'm so grateful for you. That's amazing that you're doing that. Um, how can people get involved with that and, and help?
1: Oh, how can you get involved? <laughs> well, let me tell you, you can go to aafront.org and, And you can sign up on our mailing list. And the thing that's really fun about us is that we have activities all over the country. You can find out if we're coming to a town near you. Um, There's many ways to get active uh, with us. And we it's not like just donate, although donate, please, Mm -hmm. because we're a nonprofit. But. There's just a million ways. Sometimes when you donate, you still would like to know Mm -hmm. that you are participating and helping. And I have to tell you, there is nothing more rewarding, whatever it is and whatever kind of um, what your issue is, to be involved tangibly and work with folks who are are the people who are being subjected to this oppression that we live in and to really help lift them up and sometimes be the pack mule because they're leading the charge. And it's amazing. Um, it's really, really great. So we can help you roll up your sleeves. We'll take your money. You'll have fun with us. You know, we always want to combine humor with, with the work that we do. So there's always a component of just like pure joy and we'd love to have everyone.
0: Well, for what it's worth, and I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Um, I wrote a book called Peyton's choice, which is about a teen who decided to have an abortion. And you know, I was, I was, I never had to deal with that growing up. There were some times I thought I might be pregnant when I was a woman, um, certainly not as a teen, but I wanted to kind of touch on, and I'm just going to give a little bit away. I mean, it's, it's mostly uh, uh, for young adults. It it wasn't, I didn't write it for adults, but I, I felt like I wanted to write something because I just saw what was happening. And I put this book out in 2015 or 2016, I should say I was writing it in 2015. And, um, I was watching everything that was happening, and it was making me so angry. And I wanted to write a book about a a person who decided to have an abortion and had absolutely no regrets about it. Because you know, we always hear that oh, it's the hardest decision anybody will make, and it's like not not necessarily. Sometimes it's the easiest decision someone's going to make. And um, you know, certainly the the character in my book grappled with you know what she wanted to do, but it was you know something that when she did it, she had no regrets. And it's so I think it's just so important when women like you, especially powerful, strong women like you are taking this on because somebody has to protect the women in this country. And right now we've got, as uh, John Mulaney says, a horse in the hospital and he's just fucking everything up and it's so scary. So yeah, once again, I love
1: that analogy so much I know. for John Mulaney. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> I know. it was so. I watch it as much as I can and I still laugh. Um, and I know I'm kissing your ass, but thank you again. Thank you for what you do. I can't Express. I, I really mean this sincerely. What you're doing is so important, and it's it's so helpful to women in this country. And we need help. And women helping women is just beautiful. So thank you, and I appreciate it. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter.
1: Oh my gosh, I will pollute your Twitter feed. <laughs> um, I am at Liz Winstead, L I Z Z W I N S T E A D, and you can follow um, Abortion Access Front also on Twitter. It's at Access Front. And if you want if you feel like I how come I don't know what's happening in the world with all these laws that Liz is talking about, our Twitter feed will tell you everything that's going on and also give you calls to action. And so it's really good to follow us, too, especially like I know when people like go, oh, my God, Georgia What can I do? Mm -hmm. Um, We'll be able to give you and target to you exactly where you should give in Georgia Mm -hmm. so that you can really make a difference where things are happening right then instead of just giving to like a general fund that you never know if it's going to actually go to Georgia. We're here to drive the money and to drive the support right to the people who need it when it happens.
0: Very, very cool. So I will put all the links. I'll put the Facebook and Twitter and all those links you told me in the Patreon description of the show. Thank you, Liz, for being on. Thank you for what you do. You're wonderful.
1: I hope I get to meet you soon someday. Well, you know what? I'm
0: in the D.C. area, and I am going to sign up to uh, the abortion, or your site. So, oh, yeah,
1: we have a really strong
0: base in D.C. of fun, rad people. Oh, cool. Well, then um, we will. We will meet. <laughs> yes, we will meet. It
1: sounds like a threat. I love
0: it. <laughs> well, you take care, and thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, Kimberly, it's my pleasure.
0: All right, you take care.
1: Hey, thanks.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. So I know I kind of kissed her ass, but I mean it. I mean, she's fucking amazing. She's an amazing woman. You know, she not only co-created The Daily Show and was the head writer for it, she also co-created Air, Amer- uh, was it Air America, the radio network. And now she's doing this. I mean, like, I just want to fucking fall down on my knees and kiss her feet. Ah. <sighs> It's so upsetting that women in this country are dealing with misogynists and sexists and, you know, even coming from our own side, not with abortion. I don't think we have too much. Although, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to take that back because the person that I had whose show I deleted on my show last Wednesday was making all kinds of stupid fucking comments about abortion. He didn't know what he was talking about. And it really I, I couldn't believe it. He was listening to Donald Trump and taking talking points from Donald Trump. Are you kidding me? So, um, Yeah. I'm just thrilled that not only is she clearly a cool person um, just talking to her, she's got a huge heart, and she cares about women, and that's amazing, and so do I. So um, that's going to be it. Now, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's author Kimberly K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Um, you can find Peyton's Choice on my Amazon page. That's There's Peyton's Choice and The Virgin Diaries and American Woman. Uh, I also did Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, my four books. So, uh, Peyton's Choice is the only non, no, I'm sorry, the only fiction. American Woman, The Pole Dance Woman and Voting, that's nonfiction. Little bit of history about women's rights and stuff like that. And then also, I include some personal um, stories and just different things that I observed as I was coming up in this whole, you know, like um, internet feminist world. <laughs> and then, of course, The Virgin Diaries is a collection of uh, first-time stories, uh, people who had sex for the first time, and they go back and explain to us what it was like. Because when I was a teenager, I was so curious about sex. I Before I had sex, I was curious about it. I didn't want to have it yet, but I wanted to know what it felt like emotionally as well as physically. And my girlfriend told me that it was great, And of course, first-time sex, usually for a woman, isn't great. So you don't always get the real deal. And so in The Virgin Diaries, I worked on that book with my mother. We interviewed people and put those interviews in a book. So there you go. Author Kimberly on Twitter. Find me at Amazon. I'm on Facebook. I'm all over whatever. I hate Facebook, though, so fuck, fuck, fuck Facebook. I don't give a shit about it. I don't want it to grow. And of course, I'm getting so many friend requests on Facebook. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget I'm donating. I wish I was donating the, the earnings to Liz's uh, organization, but I already decided before we talked that I was going to send 5% of the show's earnings to Planned Parenthood. So sign up, become a patron, and thanks for listening.